Happy New Year, everybody. It is 2023. We are back for Ref's Sake podcast, episode number 11. We've lasted until the new year. Welcome along, my co-host, Luke Scott. We have made it. Happy New Year, Wayne. How are you? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Oh, good. So we have got a Bertie special part two for you today. So make sure that you stay tuned because we are going to find out all about what happened at World Cup 2022. God, it seems like last year now, doesn't it? But yes, we're <laughs> going to find out all about what happened, how we got those games, and sadly, how we got sent home. You'll be surprised. Yeah, good chat. Really good chat. So here we are, Luke. It's New Year's Day when uh, you know we're recording this bit, and we recorded with uh, Stuart. I think it was on was it on Christmas Eve we did part two. Yeah, part two is Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's sure it's a commitment, isn't it? Or stupidity of us both, or just just lack of social life, really. <laughs> so yeah, um, after the first episode, we realised. Well, actually, we'll, we'll give some credit here to the social media director because she said um, you didn't really speak much about the um, the World Cup experience and we were like oh yeah but Stuart like spoke for 50 minutes so we didn't really have time but um so we we had to do a part two and we had to kind of get him away from his um his own social life and family life and things to get to get that part two recorded because I think after uh Christmas day he went off to New York City uh, actually he did the uh, Boxing Day game didn't he at Arsenal and yes. he flew off to um the Big Apple um following that yeah, and he's, he's uh, looking at his Instagram, still there now, and it uh, looks like he's having a lovely time. And obviously, when this gets released, he'll be back, and um, and hopefully sharing it on his Instagram to his millions of followers that he's got now. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Christmas is gone. Um, thankfully, I'm in the conservatory today, Luke. You know, this is the, uh, you know, the special um, kind of... You know, podcasting arrangements that we have. Last week I was in the kitchen, but Mrs. Chalmers wanted to move the ki- uh, the table from the kitchen into the uh, conservatory for Christmas fas- uh, festivities, and uh-huh. um, we haven't moved it back yet. So um, there is a bit of rain outside at the moment. So if you can hear that on the podcast, <laughs> apologies, but you know, we, you know, we're on a strict budget, and uh, <laughs> you'll just have to do with it. I'm afraid to say. Yeah, it wasn't raining. It wasn't raining on Christmas Eve, so that that bit that we recorded with Bertie should be fine. Yeah, I, I took my daughter to watch um, Matilda over Christmas again because she's into the, the old musicals and stuff. And uh, I was talking about continuity errors because I spotted one, me being me. And uh, oh, right. so there might be a continuity error here where it's <laughs> raining right now and not raining when Bertie's on. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we go back to that low budget thing that we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> so um spoke to um, one of our biggest followers, John Wright again. Um and, uh, you know, he, he often texts me with a question about refereeing and stuff. Um, he wasn't, he was a bit like you actually today. Uh, he sent us a little um, Twitter thing, didn't he, about the, I can't, I'd see, going back to what I said on the previous episode, where I don't know the names of these um, referees from overseas. The one who likes to, th- the Spanish one who likes to throw a lot of cards around. La Hoz. That's the one. Um, yeah. 
so he threw, <laughs> he threw a lot of cards around yesterday um, in the Barcelona game. I can't remember yeah, who they were I think playing. Yeah, I think he had 16, 16 cards, didn't he, or something? Something like that. They were card, they were, I thought Christmas was over, but it was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, he sent us in another question, Luke. Okay. Um, in fact, he sent in two questions, which we will... Um, we will look over look over now. So this is the first question that he sent in. He said that um, when um, when there is a VAR decision, should like rugby and, and cricket as well, where they talk through the process, should the fans or the people watching it on TV as well, should they be um, you know party to that conversation? Do you think? Yeah, I I think so. Uh, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of good examples that have been going around social media. Um, I think it was the last game that Jared Gillett refereed in Australia. There's a there's a clip of um, Australian TV coverage of that game. Um, uh, I can't remember the decision now, but there was uh, it was either a penalty or a red card or something, and and the VAR did get involved. And the whole conversation between Jared and and the and the VAR was broadcast. And I think it, it just added a lot more credibility to the decision. Um, and people understood a little bit more about why there was being a, an intervention by the VAR. So I, yeah, I, I think, I think it would add value. I think the, the general public would appreciate it more. And I think actually it would probably make our lives at grassroots referees a little bit easier because people are starting to understand the decision-making thought process that referees have to go through when judging things like red card tackles, penalty kicks and things like that. Good answer. And I think um, what we'll try and do is we'll we'll find that clip and we'll put it on our social uh, media channels, and um, and we'll put an Instagram poll out. We're going we're going big, aren't we? We're going big yeah, on yeah, social yeah. media this year. So yeah, we'll have a look at that and see what people think. And then the second question that he asked was, um, it was about um, again the kind of um, TV and things like that. So you know we're not talking about grassroots level football here, but. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to link it to that in a minute. <laughs> um, but you said about should referees come out after a game and explain any kind of contentious decisions, kind of educate the public, I guess, about why they've given a, a specific decision. I'm not talking about every decision because, you know, I would say 90, 95% of decisions are fairly obvious. But what do you think on that? I, I mean, I know from, you know, personal experience and your own experiences, um, you know, at Southern League level, UCL level, things like that, you, you do tend to talk to people anyway. And, and if they come up to you in a bar or in a boardroom and they said, well, what was that for? Why did you give that decision? You'd probably explain it. Do you think that should be out more in the public domain in the in the professional game or not? Um, I, I think if, if if the interview is done in the right way, it, it could it could be beneficial. Um, you know, you, you refer to some of those conversations we have in the boardroom or whatever at, at Southern League and below and, Sometimes it can feel like a bit of a pointless conversation because there's, there is no compromise. It's I'm going to tell him what I've seen and he's not going to accept it. And he's going to just continue to tell me I'm wrong rather than try and understand the viewpoint of what I've given. So um, I think that, yeah, the questions have to be asked in the right way and, and give the referee the opportunity to explain it. On the flip side, um, you know, I think the, the PGMO would probably have uh, one of their issues would be if if a decision is obviously wrong, um, <clears throat> which obviously shouldn't happen nowadays with VAR, but we, we still see it. Um, again, managing that narrative around why the decision was wrong 
and um, and what's happened, they probably want to have control over that rather than handing that back to the individuals, referees themselves. Yeah, I think, I don't know if there's any rules about this in terms of, um, you know, the bigger picture from higher higher authorities in my view. Um, but Howard Webb's already been out as in, in the press saying how he wants things like VAR to be speeded up and all that type of thing. Do you think it's something that they he might consider? I mean, I've met Howard Webb a couple of times. Um, the first time I met him um, was when... Un- <laughs> this is a weird story, by the way. Uh, it's when Under Armour were trying to get into the British into the British market. So we're talking a long time ago. <laughs> right. And, uh, I'll try and keep this story as quick as I can. And um, I was at Hitchin Town with, right. with Jeff Russell as the ref. And I forget who the other guy was. And um, Jeff got a phone call from... No, in, fact, in fact, I got a phone call from Pete Walton. Right? Okay, yeah. And um, Pete Walton rang me up and said, oh, can you go to... Um, I think it's Bish- is it Bisham Abbey where England used to, used to train. That's yeah. down your neck of the yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, because there's this like, um, press and ex-footballers game going on. Uh, and Howard Webb was... Re- I was a level four at the time. And Howard Webb was reffing it. And I was like... Yeah, I, I was a. I think I was a student at the time, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing anything. Um, I got paid. Well, I got a ton of Under Armour kit as well." Um, so went down there, and um, I can't remember who was. I think it might have been Rob Styles. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was him. He was meant to ref it, but the day or two before, he'd had a a bit of stick on TV, so he got took off the game, and Howard Webb got put on it. And oh, there, was, okay. there was people playing, like like Stan Collymore was there. Um, Jamie Lawrence, don't know, you won't remember him because you're too young, but it's the one he, um, he played for Bradford and he, and he used to have different colour hair for every game and all that kind of thing. Oh. Um, Henry Winter, who's a big... Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard yeah. of him. He's worked for Times, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was playing, all these kind of people. And it was like a long, like the longest day ever. The football lasted <laughs> about 20 minutes. And all the time, the rest of the time, it was just like people talking to each other. Um so yeah, I met Howard Webb and, and he was kind of like, I'd never, you know, seen him on TV and everything. And I was like, wow, this is like a, a big name referee. Obviously I've been with Jeff Russell <laughs> the night before, <laughs> so bless him. Um, so yeah, that was a nice experience. But he was already kind of, obviously he was a good talker. Yeah, he, yeah. he could talk and, and yeah, you see him now, he comes across. Um, and I think the better referees are, are, you know, are the good talkers. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was kind of, in that mindset of you know, let's try and change a few things if he's allowed to, obviously. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to, but I think there's there's still work to be done. You know, particularly around, like I say, about the way that the way the media handle it. <clears throat> you know, if you take Pete Walton as an example, he makes a living from going on BT. Rio Ferdinand asks him about a decision. They they he gives a, his opinion. He tells him as per law. And then they just go back to the studio, cut back to the studio. Pete's not Pete's not on the mic anymore. He's not live. And they just go, well, that doesn't make sense. That's not right. And they just completely disagree with everything Pete said. So, you know, what's what's the point at the minute? What's the point in even looking at that until we get to a point where the pundits can actually understand and appreciate what the laws are and why decisions have been made? Then for me, it's, it's a pointless conversation because they're just going to disagree with it, whether the referee's right or wrong. Let's be honest, though, Luke, um, and we know we both know Pete Walton. He's not looked at the laws of the game for about twenty years. Well, no, that, I didn't, <laughs> yeah, I, 
uh, yeah, I've got a story about Pete when he came into the office. Uh, he, he took a bit of a hammering on BT because uh, it was a few years back now. He t- took a bit of a hammering on BT. I can't. I think it was. I think it was to do with handball. It was a decision around handball, and and he just he was quoting law from about fifteen years ago. And then anyway, the next day he pops into the office. He was like, um, "Have you got a copy of the Laws of the Game? I just I just need to brush up on my on my way to my next game on the train." <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have that problem now, Luke, would you? Not with the old no. um, the app the store. App. Yeah, or Google absolutely. Play and, and other other um, app availability platforms are available. I think, not that I, I mean, obviously you call me a, um, a technological granddad, so yeah, you um, are. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not just quickly to digress. Some of my kids, some of my kids, that tells me how many kids I've got, um, <laughs> with, like trying to teach me about um, all these different things that they can do on social media these days. I was like, just don't, don't tell. I talk about TikTok. It's like, how many? If you get so many followers on TikTok or something, then you can become a, some kind of platform for making money and all this business. It's like that just sounds like a lot of hard work for watching videos. Are we not? Are we not going on TikTok then? No, I don't think. I don't think we're going to get <laughs> the amount of views that we need to to make any money from it. To be honest, if I'm being honest with you, mate. But okay. quickly before we move on to the Bertie uh, chat, so um, obviously we've weather in December was dreadful, but then um, we had a bit of warmth, and then uh, football came back for Boxing Day. I was um, I was at home um, doing very little, apart from eating. I was going to say I ate too much food, but then I thought, nah, it's not possible to eat too much food. Um, so how was your Boxing Day? Did you enjoy it? Um, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> I had food poisoning, so it was terrible and it was one of those situations where i was sat at home and i was just like i, I really really shouldn't be doing this game um but it, it, i was just thinking well if i come off it they're just going to think i'm I've, I've had a massive bender on christmas day and uh, <laughs> i'm going to ring the fa on boxing day and say i can't do it so i did referee the game um probably not particularly well uh, but you know, I just felt like I was in a in a tough position where the FA wouldn't have believed my sob story of food poisoning, but I genuinely did have food poisoning and I was in a bad way. And are you pointing the finger at anybody in particular for this? Look, the the person <laughs> the person that may or may not be responsible may or may not listen to this podcast. So I, look, we don't know what caused it. I know this person we both know and the social media director knows as well, <laughs> who is very much exercising a lot at the moment. And I would imagine he's got some time on his hands to listen to various podcasts because I saw him today. So I have set up, um, well, two things I've done, Luke. You won't believe this, oh, stupidly. Okay. Well, first one, um, you know, we haven't mentioned this yet. So you, me, and 12 of us, um, people who've been on this podcast are doing the uh, the Isle of Wight Challenge in, in late April. Yep. Um, I've also signed up for 10,000 Steps a Day through the Northamptonshire Health Charity. Um, which I started today. So I went for a little five-mile trot today. A bit of walking, a bit of running, mixing. But last night, in a moment of weakness, but I, I, I actually, I did plan to do this. I signed up for Le, Le, Le Jog, the virtual yeah, Le Jog. You've mentioned this. Yeah. So starting, it's 874 miles. Um, I think I'm starting in Land's End. I'm not too sure because I haven't checked it. <laughs> and it, it virtually it goes to John O'Groats, obviously. Um, and you know you keep a little digital record and what have you. So yeah, I was on the old um, doing a little five miler this morning, and running down 
running down the hill on Bradlaw Fields, which makes you look like you're going really quickly, yeah, especially yeah. when you see somebody, you know. And um, I see this man in the, in the distance with his dog, and he did that thing, you know, if you, well, you've got a child, obviously, as well, um, where uh, you walk off from your child, and they don't want to walk with you, so you pretend to walk off and say, okay, then we'll leave you here. Obviously, you're not going <laughs> to leave them there. Uh, he, I think he was doing the same with the dog, because the dog is just like, it's gone on strike. It was laid on, the, laid, on the, laid on the floor, and he just walked off. And, uh, and then eventually the dog followed him. And I ran past him. And because Will, William Colley is also doing the 10,000 steps a day challenge for Team Daisy as yes. well. And yeah. uh, I went, kept getting the steps in our way. And I just ran past him, stroked the dog and carried on. So I thought <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> that, that, that was nice. But now you have you have named who, who we think was responsible for the food poisoning. So thanks for that. Well, that's, you told me that, that name anyway. So uh, if he's got if he's got into seventeen minutes of this podcast, he's, he's doing well. People, yeah. I'm sure people just fast. Can you, can you fast forward a pod? That's like that's showing my age, isn't it? Fast forward a yeah. podcast, and you can listen to it on like two times speed as well. So we're just talking really quickly. Jamie Stevenson does that. Yeah, which he's so. What we've had a, we had a few um, messages recently actually um, of people who said, "Oh, can I come on the podcast and do?" I have a quiz, which we're not doing this week, by the way. And if you're waiting for that, uh, or the, you know, it's all about UF, which we're also not doing this week, by the way. Um, because, uh, as we said, the Bertie uh, interview is 50 minutes of gold. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a few people. We've got a few more guests lined up. We're going to, after this is finished, we're doing another recording, aren't we? And, um, yes, yeah. yeah, so it's all going, it's going quite well. Um, we're almost up to 100 Instagram followers. Um, we're getting retweets and, and all that kind of jazz as well. So just to, you know, we, we, we've made it to episode 11, even though I wasn't sure which episode it was at the beginning, so we had to start <laughs> re-recording. Um, so, uh, yeah, so thanks for uh, staying tuned to our podcast, I suppose. I don't even know where that conversation started, but, um, yeah, <laughs> thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right, should we get on with the next bit? You reckon? Let's do it. Let's do it. Right, so next up, we've got Stuart Burt, and he's going to be talking about the World Cup experience. Stay tuned. You might even learn something. We're back again, part two. The last one was so long, Stuart. We've invited you back on the show. This is like a, you know, you should be really happy with this. Not often, or not, not ever, have we asked uh, the same guest back for a second time in such a short space of time. Well, to be fair, the uh, the calibre of guests before, I suppose you don't have the option of inviting back, do you? <laughs> brutal, absolutely <laughs> brutal. So the reason we wanted to get you back was that... Um, <laughs> Last time we spoke at length about kind of how you got to where you got to and where you are at the moment. Um, but we wanted to delve a bit more deeper into your World Cup experience because um, I think we just ran out of time last time, Luke, didn't we? We did, yeah. There was a lot, there was a lot to talk about and uh, the World Cup was a priority and we didn't get around to it. <laughs> That's right. So just to start off with, give us an idea of, of doing itself. So um, I saw a lot on Instagram of you going to games um, and I think you said that you went to all eight stadiums. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, Doha itself isn't isn't the 
biggest uh, biggest place. It's probably bigger than bigger than Northampton, smaller than Northampton Sheer, uh, to put it in some form of context. So the England France quarterfinal venue Albait was the most northern venue. Uh, that was twenty four kilometres north of like Doha City, uh, and then you've got Al Janoub and Al Tamama. Um, we're about 10, 15 kilometers uh, to the south of the center. So in terms of the, the size of uh, the city, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't vast. But yeah, it's, it, we, were, we were given the opportunity um, to... We, all, all I ever wanted to do was go to the first match, the opening match before I went, because I thought that'd be quite a cool experience. Um, and then as it transpired, they gave us tickets for the 7, seven o'clock Doha time uh, match uh, every day. So if there was ever an opportunity to go, uh, me and Simon would uh, would be like tourists and, and go to like these World Cup matches. So I think we we did ten in total. We did the opening match. We did the England France uh, quarterfinal. Um, the only times where they prevented you were going was uh, obviously on a match day. Obviously, uh, obviously you couldn't go on a match day for obvious reasons. Um, and if you was on match day minus one, um, they didn't feel it was, although traveling is not too far, they didn't feel it was the best preparation for you to be uh, outside the hotel in obviously the temperatures that we were. So they, they wanted you to rest, relax and on the flip side of that, there's obviously preparation to do as well. You know, we're not there on holiday. We have got uh, we have got a job to do. So as great as it was to go to the games, um, you know, to go to 10 World Cup matches as a spectator, um, you know, was a great experience and, and one that I'll never forget. But, yeah, we went to went to all eight venues, um, either officiating or spectating, which um, which was like quite a cool experience, actually, to see them all. And, uh, yeah, a lot of memories created. Just a quick one, Stu, because I'd um, just like to pick up on one of your comments there and following your um, inflated numbers on Instagram these days. Uh, anybody who's followed you on Instagram will see that at most days you were sat by the pool with a book in your hand, obviously listening to For Ref's Sake as well. And for you to say it wasn't a holiday, uh, I'd just like to challenge that comment. <laughs> um there's uh, it's very important when you're uh, when you're working very hard and those that will follow me on Strava as well Wayne will note that I trained for every single day that I was there bar two so and multiple te- multiple days I did two sessions a day and on some occasions I did three so um I, I I throw your comment back at you and say yes I did work and that was part of the recovery process Mate, you might as well just share every uh, social media and uh, account that you've got, mate. If that's what you want to do, fine. Luke, I think you've got a question next because I'm having a little strop in the corner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I could cover whilst you you strop, mate. That's fine. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned a little bit about preparation there, Stu, in terms of the games and stuff. Talk us through uh, that whole appointment process, how you find out about the game, and then and then what happens from that point. So um, the appointments were done on a daily basis. Um, so obviously, as you know, the I think the first match was on the 20th. Um, and then for the 12 days of group stage, uh, uh, group stage days, um, and then you went straight into the round of 16 without any tournament rest days. So you had a constant every day there was appointments uh, and you are expected to obviously be there because you didn't know where, whether you were going to get it. So... Um, everyone would go into the big conference room. Um, you'd get the uh, the appointments were announced by either Pierre Luigi or Massimo Massimo Bissaka, who's like the head of refereeing, and then Pierre Luigi is like the director of uh, refereeing. Um, and then once the appointments were announced, you'd go around and congratulate. And 
I, I said on the last episode about it being uh, being a team. You probably saw some bits about like team one, uh, and that was the big thing that they wanted to make. It was it was one what like yeah we were the one team, uh, and everyone was like so supportive of each other. So. You go around and congratulate uh, everyone, but there's a lot of handshakes. You got like ten appointments per match, um, and, and you know when you're being announced four matches at a time, that's a lot of handshakes to make in a room. And sometimes you ain't got a clue. You just shake people's hands and say, "Ah, oh, congratulations," <laughs> not knowing if they've got a game. But there's, there's every possibility they would have. Um, but yeah, so from that, that would be that would always be uh, like an evening thing. It's a bit so like you, the. Um... It's a bit like the County Cup finals when Tony Major tries to announce some of the names, isn't it? Yeah, and everyone's well, shaking hands, but a little bit more of an important process, I, I, I dare say. Well, hope, hopefully uh, when the County Cup appointments uh, are made in March or whatever it is, I'll, I'll find out if, uh, if that opportunity presents itself. Oh, you, yeah, you I mean, know. We, you could put your name in the hat, mate, but yeah. <laughs> Whether you make the cut or not, I don't know. Social media director's um, down Abington Park at the moment, so she can't. She won't even hear this until she gets back. <laughs> She's a key part of the process, I've heard. Well, I'll, I'll, it depends on how well these uh, these tickets go. But anyway, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, obviously, once the appointment comes through, you'd you'd kind of contact uh, like friends and family. So I'd speak to like Kaz and the girls, let them know, um, and uh, then obviously pops and sister and that and then yeah the, then it kind of just begins so you'd have training uh like match day minus one where it's uh you go out into the field with players and they'd give you different scenarios it would be a very gentle physical session but it's more getting your uh getting your mindset ready for what you can expect so penalty area decisions offside decisions um and it's it's, it's a very small 20 30 minute uh session um just to kind of get you in in in, in the mood for it Go back, and then you'd have like two data um, analysts who would um, they'd collate all the information from the two teams that you're doing. So the first match, Japan Costa Rica, we'd go into the analyst room, and they'd have all this information and data from what Japan and Costa Rica did in there, because this was the second round of matches. So what they did in the first match, um, how they how they set up the starting lineups, uh, what the attackers do in like free kicks, what uh, defenders do at corners, are they zonal, are they man to man? The the players with the uh, most likely like to commit reckless challenges, what they do if they're out of position. There's uh, uh, it's it's ridiculous how much information they can gain from like just one match but they're going back through all the qualifications so there's a lot of information for us to absorb so we're taking a lot of notes but then you're given uh, usb sticks for the last matches as well and there's an expectation for you to watch the matches of the last game obviously we were going to matches anyway we were told to watch matches so you've got a little bit of um background knowledge already but you've got these usb sticks to to watch the games get as much information so for us it's it's about what do the attackers do in um in forward positions what the what does the, the defensive line do um what the players do at corners and it's just getting that preparation ready so when it comes to to match day you know what's going to happen um and go like the costa rica japan game the winning goal for costa rica um mm. the japanese defense like push up at the last minute and 
like that's just from the analyst stuff that you know that they push up at the last minute. So I was able to uh, to know what they did and you kind of just a bit more uh, prepared for it. So um, and then it's just recovering um, like before the game, you know, you're not doing a great deal. You're sitting in your room, you're chilling, you're like watching a bit of Netflix, uh, but you are genuinely you're not allowed poolside. They say that it's too hot for you. Um, to sit outside and that's not going to be beneficial for you. You're meant to be like keeping hydrating. So like sitting out in 30 degrees, obviously being the, the complexion that I am, Wayne, as you've oh, I was going to say, oh, you beat me to it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at you two on screen, just thinking, neither of you two should be allowed out today. Never mind in 30 <laughs> degrees heat. <laughs> um, so no, it, like, genuinely they said, like, do not go outside. Um, so it was proper, uh, like proper recovery. And just being professional, we, we are... I re-emphasise, we were not there on holiday. We were there to do a job, so um, I had to. I had to sacrifice that twenty-four hours of sunshine, uh, like match day minus one, um, and yeah, just do do a bit of preparation on the teams and and just recover and eat sensibly. So from so memory, that, yeah, from memory, I, I think there was a a really tight, wasn't there, offside decision in one of the games. Yeah, uh, and do you think you can? And obviously, and you know, we talk about and everything, and. You've got a high level of skill, otherwise you wouldn't have gotten to where you are. Um, do you attribute that to having some of that preparation and, and knowing that, you know, defences moves up quickly or, or was it just a judgment thing? Um, it, it's, it's a little bit. For those, for those that don't, don't know, Luke's probably a bit more aware that um, we get evaluated uh, week in, week out in the Premier League. Every single decision is judged, uh, like throw-ins, corners, goal kicks, offsides. I think that's raised our standards because they're judging every single offside from a multitude of camera angles. Um, so we, we've got to be on it all the time. We can't just turn up and, you know, if you get a decision wrong, because that's our merit table positions judged on, on these decisions. So I think that's helped us from a, from a judgment perspective. The, I know the decision means Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Simon got absolutely battered first half. He had so many decisions to make in that first half from the Mexico attack because Mexico just went, uh, free at front and it was and they did it in their first game <clears throat> uh, and they did it again uh, in the second game but they just go gung-ho and it's like they run there's no timing to it you've just got to be focused and concentrated for every single decision because there's no there's no time in it when you do Man City when you do Liverpool when you do Arsenal they just t they know when to time the runs and the margins are are quite tight Mexico were right we're just going to run if the ball gets there and run side fantastic so there's a little bit of knowledge from watching the previous two games. There's a little bit of knowledge from the analysts and, and watching what uh, they give you. But there's also teamwork as well. Um, you know, we'll speak at halftime in every single match. And I'll, I'll discuss what the defensive line and the attacking line are doing for both teams. And Simon did that for me. And he gave me a proper team talk at halftime. And he just said, you've just got to be on it because it is brutal. And as was proved, I think that... The semi-automated showed that his calf and his backside and his bicep was offside or something. So the margins are tight, but that's that is the level that we now operate at. And if it is that tight, then you just have to go with it because there's no hiding place. I think um, just to come in, and when I was on the on the Southern League, and um, even the difference between being an assistant on the Southern League and then going to the National League North and South is massive. So I can't imagine. What it's like going from you know from the national league prem to the football league to the prem to, mm. to the world cup it must be incredibly um challenging but 
you've done it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's it is it is tough. Luke's uh, Luke's been there and continues to be there, and he knows how tight these margins are. Uh, and hopefully, there's there's plenty of guys that this semi-automated stuff. If it does come in the Premier League, you'll see it more. Um, like the the margins are like so incredibly tight, and there's there's no room for error. If it's like a toenail offside, it's a toenail offside. That's um, that's where we're now being judged. So um, yeah, it is uh, it is difficult, but you know the experience that we've gained through the years like obviously helps us get these judgment. And there's a bit of luck involved as well. And just just on that semi-automated uh, offside system that they've got, did, did that does that change? any of your thought processes or how you operate on the day in terms of your decision-making or how you're asked to communicate those decisions? Uh, yes. Um, I think before um, we've always been given benefit to the attacker, you know, in a tight decision, uh, then VAR come in and as you know, like crosshairs uh, and your 3D lines come in. So there's, you have to be a bit more clinical and it's not just about if it's tight, keep the flag down. It's like, it's tight, but I think his head's excuse me, his head's leaning offside. Then that's offside now, you know, the, because the semi-automated will pick that up. So if you've got a, if you've got a feeling his, his right foot, his right leg is offside, you've got to flag it because there's no, uh, there's no giving the benefit to the attacker. It's now black and white. So uh, we've had to re, uh, reevaluate our our mindset going into into matches, thinking. Like with the VAR lines, that we can't can't just give a benefit to the attacker. If we think he's offside, we've got to flag it. Wow. Um, just a quick point as well. How does that differ? So obviously we, with the Premier League, um, mm. you're seeing these teams more regularly, and you know yeah. operating where you are, you're tending to get the bigger teams more often. Um, do you? How does the preparation differ in that respect? Do you do you still have all that kind of data from Premier League games, or is it much different? Um, I think the world, the World Cup is um, like the pinnacle. So they've got there's so much being put at it because they want the best. They want the best officials on the games, but they also want to give you the best opportunity for success as well. Um, so they're going to give you these analysts. These analysts are giving you so much information. Uh, Premier League, you've got ten matches every weekend, and the at this current moment, there's not enough resources for. Because you'd need, like, I don't know, 10 analysts, one for each game, just to give you all this information. Uh, and because of how much, how many Premier League games, you know, they're, they're so, um, they come around so thick and fast, like, especially in the festive period, you've got four match rounds in the space of, like, a week and, like, to get that information. So, but on the flip side, the Premier League, you, you see these teams more regular. And like you say, Wayne, it's because you're exposed to, certain teams more you know their styles you know what the players do and you know off the top of my head uh Riyad Mahrez uh for Man City will just stand on your toes uh and like just literally just operate on that right wing uh Haaland will kind of come and collect the ball uh, like in midfield and then make that movement you know when De Bruyne is gonna when he's got that ball moving forward you're just looking for the their movements across the forward line so there's there's little intricate uh, points that you can pick up on a on a regular basis, but it's more difficult when you're going into a World Cup and you've I've never done Japan or, or Costa Rica before. And if I'm being honest, I probably have never watched a Japan or Costa Rica game before the World Cup either. So I mean, 
having that um, exposure to teams that you just don't know their style of play, that's where the analysts are so beneficial for us. Um, but that's where they want you to watch the games in the in, during the tournament just to give yourself that bigger chance of success when you come to officiating. And so in terms of um, actual match day then, Stu, yeah. uh, what would be what would be the timeline for, for a match day and, and how do you how do you manage that? And particularly that first that first match day for your first World Cup game. Um so we fortunate or not, I don't know. The first game was so it was eleven or oh, what was it? Ten it was ten o'clock it so it was one o'clock uh over in Qatar, uh first match day. So you didn't have a lot of time to think. It's like you went to bed and I know it sounds weird. You you go to bed, you think, my God, like I'm gonna wake up in the morning and I'm gonna be like preparing for a World Cup. Uh, like match and and it is it is quite surreal because I, I still see myself and like Wayne and I joked about this the other day that I just still see myself as some kid from uh, from Kingshaw, uh who's got to the World Cup and I've just been incredibly lucky and, and and Wayne came back and and says that's not exactly true and I'm not, I, I appreciate his sentiments I do feel that I've been lucky along the way but I think there's obviously skill uh, skill there as well but to wake up think Oh, you know, I'm now preparing for the World Cup. So there weren't a lot of time to prepare, um, but it is just literally what we'd normally do at home, like a, a sensible breakfast. I'll always go porridge and uh, like poached eggs and beans. Like that's my like go-to kind of breakfast. So it's like normal breakfast. And then you just, the kit's prepared like the night before. Uh, and then there's, uh, you get a rundown of like your transport, what time you're being collected. So everything is done like so professionally FIFA. So you've got someone meeting you in the hotel lobby, telling you what time you're leaving to the car, which is literally outside. Then you've got someone taking you to the car and then there's someone making sure you're getting in the car. And then you've got, so you've got literally four people <laughs> to, to, to take you like 20 yards. It's ridiculous, but they're covering every single base. <laughs> I can just imagine um, you standing there waiting outside, uh, you know, ready for Lingswood Park and you, you sit at your door. <laughs> and door like, Where's my car? <laughs> Where's my kit? <laughs> at Lingswood Park, that is probably a thing after the game. Where is my car? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, in, in terms of prep, it's just normal stuff. But then when you get to the game, um, you're met by the uh, venue manager. So every every venue has a like a coordinator who who goes through everything. So you get in the change room and then you have a you have a meeting in the dressing room and they're saying, right, this is the countdown to kickoff, which is in the room. They'll go through everything. And then you're taken to the match coordinator outside. He will run down uh, like the, the run through where you're going to stand in the tunnel, where you're going to walk in the match. And you'll see every match had the same um, like logo on the pitch, which, how you've got to walk around, where you've got to stand uh, for the national anthems, how things are going. You're literally told everything. Everything's dictated for you. Um, and I've, I suppose from the outside, you wouldn't see it, but everything happens for a reason and everyone stands in the same position. That's because it's a, a coordinated effort by everyone on site. So do that. You do your GDS tests um, and you're given like you're given the match ball because I don't know if you was aware, there was a specific chip in the match ball. Um, this is to do with the semi-automated uh, technology, but I don't know if you remember uh, Portugal school where Ronaldo claimed the goal Um yeah. And the, the, this chip, this chip in the ball, it proved that it didn't because there's it's like um, snickometer at cricket where it yeah, kind of yeah. has like the spikes. 
Um, it was like so interesting to see the. It, it doesn't sound interesting, but you know, from a from from a sad football geek, it was uh, it was it was quite interesting. So yeah, you go for the GTS, uh, GDS test, uh, like goal line technology, come back in, and then it's just normal match day. You go in the room, you put your music on, um, and and you just start preparing. Every every match had a uh, like a sports masseur like in the changing room that was part of the the FIFA team. Um, and then, like, just normal countdown to kickoff. Um, and then go out for your warm-up. Um, and then, like, the match comes around. But it was a surreal, a surreal feeling, standing standing in the internal, preparing to walk out for a World Cup match. And then walking out that first time will be a moment I will, like, never, ever forget. And that will never be taken away from me. So, um, yeah, I felt very proud in that tunnel. Oh, I can imagine. Um, and one of the... One of the biggest frustrations at the minute in it for me in particular, but in uh, at the level that I'm operating, and I know for other officials, is uh, the teams that that we officiate like to do this thing where you ring the bell, and then uh, five minutes later they're still not out, and it's like they don't want to be the first one out. Now, um, the way that you're describing it, the the scientific planning that FIFA have put in place, I imagine that there wasn't any of that because FIFA wouldn't allow it. Uh, in- no. So on the countdown to kickoff, you leave the dressing rooms 12 minutes before kickoff. Um, and then, so there's like, officials leave 12 minutes and you literally have, a, I'll be sad, one day I'll kind of take a picture of the countdown to kickoff that I may have took from the dressing room <laughs> after the game. Um, and I'll, I'll bring it to the RA meeting and it will like specifically show every single like, 12 minutes, 11.30 to kick off. And it's like you leave the dressing room, players leave the dressing room. And you have literally got someone from FIFA going into that dressing room, telling them they are leaving now. And they leave straight away because there's a significant fine coming their way if they don't leave the dressing room. And FIFA, (laughs) they do have that power. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think the Southern League um, like press officer going into the dressing room saying you're leaving now else uh we're gonna find you five pounds i don't think that <laughs> no it's not it's not quite the same is it no so i think we're just gonna have to keep dealing with that frustration aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> but it is it, you know there are um yeah, there's so much time and you'll probably see it that you're, you're in the tunnel for like a minute or two before you walk out because that's all factored in because when you walk out they know how long the national anthems are they know how long everything takes so it's not like a three o'clock kickoff where you need to make sure you're there for three o'clock where like on a UCL, you might be leaving the change rooms at three o'clock. That's, yeah. that's no, you know, it's no good for the TV. So the TV know it's kicking off at that time. So they know where the adverts are going to uh, like be on until. So, so much organization, so many individuals making sure all this happens. And it's like clockwork. It is so smooth. It's unreal. This reminds but, uh, me, this reminds me of two things to do. Yeah. Number one, go. a good friend of yours, Chris O'Donnell, um, yeah. First well, year on yeah. the Southern League for Dave Avon, and Chris wanted everybody at Barton Rovers for twelve thirty. Uh, <laughs> and I said, right, there's absolutely no way we're getting to Barton Rovers for twelve thirty for a three o'clock kickoff, Chris. Uh, and uh, we didn't, obviously. And the second <laughs> thing was, um, I was on the, I was an assistant. I think it was a, a I think it was an FA Youth Cup game or something like that. That was maybe been a women's FA Cup, and uh, it was live get this on something like satanta sports or something all that is and um 
It got the match got delayed kickoff because the Sri Lankan Premier League cricket hadn't finished, and we had to <laughs> wait for that game to finish before we could kick ours off. So it's twenty five minutes late. It's just not the same, is it? Um, no, I think I think FIFA factored in the uh, the like the, the cricket, so it didn't clash with, um, with that. But it was quite it was quite good because we did get to watch a bit of cricket whilst uh, whilst we were over there. To be fair, so uh, but obviously nothing clashes with the World Cup, so I don't think FIFA have that uh, FIFA have that problem. And if there was, I kind of think that FIFA might overrule them. <laughs> yeah, so, I'd, I'd imagine yeah. so. So we talked about pre-match and kind of the games, and so after the game, yeah, the process of the debrief situation. Um, you've talked about all the you know analysis that goes into the preparation of the game. What's the what's the debrief? situation like so you know in our in, in the olden days Pete Rassin would come over and say yeah well done um the report will be in the post there's your 70 um <laughs> <laughs> that was good for Pete <laughs> it's <was> good for me <laughs> um yeah so um obviously after the match you'd um you'd go like go it's it's really weird because um I remember that first game it was a one o'clock kickoff uh, and I, I went back to the hotel and I was on the beach at R4, like just having, like just kind of reflecting on, on what we just done. And it was so weird having having done a game and rather than traveling back from uh, from the game, going back to the hotel and uh, then kind of thinking about going home, you, you're just going back to base camp and, and just kind of carry on normal. But the debrief was always the day after. So Again, we go back into the the conference room um, like for I think ten o'clock in the morning after breakfast, and you'd have the the four match days from the day before. You'd have no idea what was going to be on, so they'd always have specific video clips, and they would talk about topics. So they would talk about penalty area decisions. They would talk about player management, game management, offside decisions, teamwork, and there'd be different uh, topics to discuss. But you went into that room having no idea what was going to be, whether you was going to be involved in them clips, because you've got you've got four matches um, to to debrief on, so it's not just your match. So from the previous day, however many matches were there, um, and they'd uh, and they'd go through everything. So on the first game, there was there was one incident uh, where it was like dogs are or not, and that caused a, a, a little bit of um, debate. Um, but then. There was there was other uh, other situations that might have been discussed for 20, 30 minutes because there was so much um, discussion about it. Some agreed with it, some didn't agree with it. So you'd be it would be opened up to all the officials in the room. So you'd have like 70, 80 officials in the room, and different people would have different opinions. Um, but with FIFA, whatever your opinion is, they want everyone to leave the room having the same opinion. So whatever whatever your thoughts are, they want everyone to be on the same hymn sheet. So when you leave, everyone knows what the expectation is going into future matches. So there's a uniformity. So there'd be, like I say, 70, 80 people in the debrief. They'd show the clips. They'd ask for feedback. Um, and yeah, that they'd go on for uh, hour, hour and a half uh, each day. But when you come out, there'd always be some discussion about like handball. Do you think that's handball or not? And uh, like Luke... Uh, Luke and you were talking about the World Cup final. I think it was on yesterday's podcast that was released. I can't, the one with Gareth. Uh, you were talking about like penalty, and you said sixty-one percent thought it was a penalty, thirty-nine didn't think it was a penalty, um, and that's how it would be in the debrief. You'd have like that side of the room would be, yeah, we think that's handball. 
we don't think that's handball and but it, it's about bringing that everyone together so you you have got that general consensus so it's it, it's good because you're not leaving confused uh, or anything you know you know what the the stance is what they want going into like future matches so there's no there's no individual debrief per team it's just all done in that in that big yeah. group environment no yeah, so, how how bad the game goes at no point would they pull you to one side and go right you know they, it would all be done in in that big room and they'd choose what clips they want to show yeah well fortunately our games didn't go wrong so whether whether that happened with other teams where they they had a another debrief i, I generally don't know i, I right. didn't hear of that but there were obviously some matches that caused more media high profile nature now whether that that group of officials were taken to a second uh, a separate debrief i i honestly don't know fortunately our game seemed to go okay um so we never had to, we never had need for it but it is literally um like match day plus one whatever match was in you're kind of in that debrief even if you weren't involved you're you're there because they want this uniformity going forward yeah. so if you're if you're in base camp they want you there so even if we were on uh, the second game, the Saudi Arabia-Mexico one, um, our match was that night, but you still have to go and debrief because if something happened the day before, they want you to take that forward. Well, oh, right, okay. yeah. If the England French referee wants a debrief, Luke, just needs to listen to episode eight. You give him a full <laughs> debrief on his performance, I believe. I'm not sure he needs to listen to me, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Stu, is there, is there a, is, do you still get a report like you would for the Prem or like you'd used to in, in the old days, you know, like we would get an observer report form or is it just that in, that that group debrief and that's that's how you, you base your opinion on your, your performance? Uh, no, so, yeah, so there's no there's no observer attached to it. So you have, uh, obviously, Kalina, Busaka, uh, they're the two, like, head honchos. Then you've got like various referee instructors. So you've got um, Oscar from Colombia, you've got Jorge from um, Argentina. You've got like a number of technical staff there. They're watching the matches. They're doing a report for you. You never physically see a report. So they might, they might write a report and they might like um, put that into like a system or whatever, but we never physically, uh, we never physically see that. Um so yeah, it's um, it's just done like that big group debrief. So you're Interesting. back. You're back now, Stu. And we're, the weird thing about this pod- podcast is that we have to record it at different times. So we're actually recording this on Christmas Eve, and it's going to go out on the second of January this episode. But your, how do you think the transition back to the Premier League is going to go? So you got a game Boxing Day, is that right? Yeah, Boxing Day. Um, so. Yeah, Boxing Day, eight o'clock, uh, Arsenal West Ham, and we were given the opportunity to have to have Christmas and New Year off, um, but that would have meant spending more time with Karen. So I asked her again, Boxing Day. Um, <laughs> Where is she? I don't, I don't think she listens, but she's somewhere in the house at the moment. But she's not within here. So she's I know behind that. you with a big. She's doing some baking, I think. She's got a rolling pin in her hand. She's making some mince pies. <laughs> uh, she, no, she's she's no good at baking, so I ain't got to worry about that. <laughs> I'm I'm going very confident that she's not going to listen to this podcast. Oh, she will when I tag her in it. <laughs> um, no, so I think it's going to be. Um, I don't I, I don't know because it's you got to remember. Although I know Arsenal played um, like a pre-season tournament in Dubai, I think it was. I say pre-season, mid-season tournament in Dubai. So they've obviously had a bit of game time, but you've got they they would have had a number of individuals that were 
in the World Cup in the like latter stages. So not everyone's even like the Argentina lads. They're probably still on a tour of <laughs> on a bus tour somewhere celebrating. So there's going to be there's going to be a lot of a lot of guys that probably won't come in until I don't know maybe like the FA Cup just to give them a bit of extended leave. Um, I just I just wanted to get back into it and. Because if because uh, we we go away, we've got a like a bit of time away with a family like day after Boxing Day. So we wanted to, or I wanted to kind of get back into the Premier League and have that under my belt rather than having this like delay before I come back. So I was kind of already back involved uh, in football rather than leaving it. Because our, our last game, the quarter final, would have been third of December, was it something like that? So. If I left it till January, that's a month without football. Um, so I, I, I just felt it was it was uh, prevalent to kind of start back uh, as soon as I could, uh, have that break, and then come back into it. And then, like by early January, it would just be normal stuff. But it'll be it'll be interesting. I think there'll be a lot of rustiness from players. I think whether there'll be uh, like officials feeling rusty or I, I don't know. It's difficult. I've not been uh, around them to speak to, but it'll be, I, I, I can't wait to get back. It's, uh, you know, our bread and butter stuff, but I'm not, I, I really don't know, Wayne, if I'm being, I don't know how I'm going to be, uh, how I'm going to be feeling because it will be going into that, knowing that with what, you know, what we've just come back from, but you need to forget about that. That's what well, that's in the past. I can't, um, I, I can't live on, uh, and what we achieved, it's it's now kind of looking to the future. And like I said in the last uh, last podcast, it's it's looking for the future. There's there's tournaments we want to be involved in in eighteen months' time, and that's that preparation starts now. And are you are you out with? Is it Michael and, and Simon again on on Boxing Day? Is Simon back fit now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Simon's uh, Simon's ready to go. So obviously he's come back. He's been obviously training as have I. Um, it's not been enjoyable training, but um, it's a little bit different. <laughs> it's a little bit different to what I've been used to. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's the three of us, uh, three of us back together um, on uh, on Boxing Day, and then as as is normal case, I've got a game on the fourth of January. But Simon's not with us; he's on another game, FA Cup. We're completely split apart, but. I also think that's quite healthy that we're not doing every single game together because I've just spent a month with them too. And <laughs> you, it can become a bit too much, as you know, with, with family members, the more time you spend with them, the more you can get frustrated at times. And um, I think it's healthy for, for us as a trio, but as a group to kind of work with different people. So you're, you're not used to what people expect from you. So, I mean, Arsenal's quite local for you, isn't it? So you're going to travel down on Boxing Day? Yeah, so we're leaving uh, Boxing Day um, lunchtime. Uh, so we've I've got a car meeting us at uh, the airport hotel at, uh, at Heathrow that's going to take us round because we're we're flying out on the 27th from like that uh, from that area. So we've just we, it's it's fell really nicely um that's the car's going to pick us up from there take us to the hotel to meet like the rest of the officials uh so we'll go down there at lunchtime games at eight o'clock go back there and then um and yeah then out the out the next day so it's, it's worked out quite nicely for us in fairness right Stu, this podcast will be uh out after you come back so no one's going to rob your house or anything right <laughs> I'll, I'll send luke around to keep it keep guard 
Well, it, 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 I do run past Jude's house quite often. It's one of my just one of my short training runs, so I, I can I can keep an eye on mate, Don't worry. Good man, stop, like yeah. that. I'd like to just make sure the uh, the Christmas decorations still looking nice because they'll still be there. <laughs> yeah, can you stop uh, stop coming outside his window and waving through the curtains, please? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. So finally, because this is going to turn into another monster pod- podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That's all right because this is all interesting stuff, and and, and, and everyone will enjoy it, I'm sure. So. We've talked a lot of stuff about positive sides. How did you find out that you were coming back home? Because we were all rooting for you, obviously, to get the final. Um, I think once Argentina was still in it, I think that might have been an issue, but that's another story. But how, what was the process of you, them telling you um, you were coming home, I guess? So uh, we went into, like, normal, uh, like we did debriefs, but the a point, so it was uh, the Sunday, I can't even remember what, what date we are now, but it was the... I came home on the Monday morning um, and it was Sunday. They had the announcement for the first semi-final for Argentina, uh, whoever they played in the first semi-final, I genuinely can't remember. Um, so I went in and uh, then afterwards they said, right, just to let you know, there's going to be an email uh, sent to those officials that we're going to release because there's only four games left uh, and there were still 20 refereeing teams there so it was it was blatantly obvious they had to release some officials um so yeah we uh, left and they just said right keep an eye on your emails it's going to be out within half an hour um and i we went back upstairs and i'd only just kind of finished training so i jumped in the shower and i was like i could genuinely just ju- come out the shower and there'll be an email and that'll be the end of the journey so came out the shower there was an email and that was the end of the journey so email saying can you please come down to like the conference room at seven o'clock uh pierre luigi and massimo want to have a meeting with you we knew what was coming and i'll, I'll be perfectly honest it was like being punched in the gut it was it was a horrible email to receive because we dreamed um, it was a possibility. I think um, the Argentina thing is a factor. Um, obviously, there was two English referees there as well, so they weren't going to keep both. And the thing is, with the email, it's only sent to you, as in your refereeing team. So you don't know who else is getting that email. So you go into that room not knowing uh, who's going to be there. So, yeah, but receiving it was it was horrible. Um, even though you knew what was coming, we went downstairs, had the meeting. They just said, look you've not done anything wrong but you know there's only four games left there's only going to be four referees there's going to be four referees that are going to act as fourth official and there's going to be four referees that don't get anything at all and there was different reasons for keeping different individuals i thought the third fourth place playoff was sensible because it was a a nice appointment for maybe a lesser i'm not going to say a less a weak nation but a lesser nation that's not likely to get a, a big appointment so I thought that was nice the semi-finals were done sensibly but then on the flip side I didn't want to be a referee that was going to be there that weren't going to get a game um it was it was like the journey was over um you know as much of a fantastic experience it was it was horrible receiving the news that you were coming home because there was always that dream of you know what if we got to the final um, but it was our first World Cup. We've done three matches. And if you had said to me before uh, before we left on November the 8th that you're going to go to the World Cup, you're going to do three matches, one's a quarterfinal, um, you're going to do Brazil, I'd have absolutely snapped your hand off. Um, and as much as it was hard to receive, um, the, you know, it was 
it was it was done but yeah we got the email and then an hour later we got our flights and it was uh, we were leaving um qatar 12 hours later so it was it was quite brutal it was like right go to your room pack get some sleep you're um you're leaving the hotel in seven hours so um so yeah it's it's, it's quite cutthroat um but on the flip side of that what's the point in being there because you're not going to do anything else and um, so yeah, it's it was hard to take. Oh, like, hand on heart, it was genuinely hard to take. Uh, I rang Karen, and she just said uh, secretly, "I'm really pleased you're coming home." Um, I never reciprocated that comment. I, uh... <laughs> P.S. You're putting the bins out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's your turn. It, it was really, it was really nice because got home Monday, and then I think I said last time. Uh, well, I did the schoolroom with both girls, and I walked up. Uh, I walked up with Mills, came back, and and did it with Megs as well. Um, that it was so bloody cold, <laughs> um, but it was it was great to be home, and it gave me an opportunity to help Santa in his uh, present buying. Right. So, final question for you, uh, Stu. Yeah. So if you can give, I'm going to say three pieces of advice to to the young and upcoming referees, not you, Luke, um, who listen to this podcast, what would they be? Um, work hard. Um, I, I know I know that sounds uh, like really really silly, but I mean when I work say work hard, I mean physically um, like work hard at your game. You need you need to train. Um, you need to train. You need to be up with play. Uh, you need to be credible when you're making decisions. So um, you know working hard at, at training. Be prepared to like make sacrifices, although you might you might think that you're only at Spencer or Cookno or SNL Corby or like local games that means something to that team um um so you know if you like your family if you're if you've got a birthday and you have to miss it then you have to miss it because you know you might just get an opportunity on that match and that match goes well you might get given another opportunity and the snowball might start from there so um i'd say work hard be prepared to make sacrifices because if you want to go all the way you've 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 got to make countless sacrifices so if you can do that early um and and like final just enjoy it go out there and and have a smile on your face it's um we've got such a short life and you know I've, we've had some like sad news like in the last 24 hours next door uh neighbor and it just goes to show anything can happen at any time um and we just got to live life while we can and i think sometimes we get a little bit wrapped up in the moment and it's like christmas as well you know we get a little bit wrapped up about what presents have I got? Or, um, you know, I've not got time to see these. Just live, live life while you can. Um, do what you can whilst you can. And just do it with a smile and enjoy it. Because, you know, life's too short. Your career's going to be over before, uh, before you know it. So just go out there and, and enjoy what you do. Wow. This has been amazing, by the way. Uh, you know, that, was quite, that was quite deep, actually, it wasn't was, it? You know, it's, it, but it is. Yeah, and, and, and I think... Um, Slim James Campbell said something very similar, um, you know, on, on the podcast that we had. Uh, but it, it's such good advice. But anybody who listens to this podcast, um, you know, what an insight we've had. You know, we're really, really lucky for you, you know, for you to come on here and uh, share not only your experiences, but you know, uh, just talk about 
all the different processes. I mean, I don't know about you, Lou, because it's kind of I O. It's just like, I was like, wow. I, I, like the email thing, I was thinking, it's all this. It must be some massive, like, kind of big thing. But it's like, oh, wait for your in, wait by your inbox. I'm just imagining <laughs> some FIFA official, like, typing in the email address. Like, I hope I've got the right email address. Otherwise, <laughs> some Stuart Burt somewhere else is going, what? I'm going home from the guitar tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, it's certainly been eye-opening for us, Stu. And uh, I think, you know, the fact we've, like Wayne said at the start, the fact we've split, we had to split into two episodes. I don't, and it doesn't, I'll be honest, it doesn't feel like we've recorded two episodes. I, I think, I think I could record another, <laughs> another five and it wouldn't feel like it because it's just been, uh, just been so insightful hearing about the World Cup, but also the the hard work and, and the journey that you've been on to get there. So no, really appreciate your time, mate. No, no worries. And like I, I said this last time that I, I think you, you guys, I know you're, you're doing it for a bit of a laugh and you're doing it for a bit of fun. But um, I, I genuinely just really uh, enjoyed listening to it. And I went for a run uh, yesterday afternoon and, uh, and and listened to the last episode. And it's like there's there's so much that you're you're learning about like friends in the county that you have no idea, you know, no idea about. Um, you know, I'm also, um, you know, just getting the opportunity to like listen to people that I don't really speak to uh, and getting to know them um so like I want to personally thank you guys for a having me on uh but b just for uh, for doing what you do for the, this podcast it's it's genuinely really good for the county guys thanks mate and appreciate that uh so wishing you all the best not just to you but you know to all our referees for 2023 and we will uh speak again soon Stu I'm sure yeah, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all uh, all Northamptonshire referees and even those wider outside the county as well. Cheers, mate. I won't lie to you, Luke. It's uh, very confusing putting all these episodes together. So uh, this is the end of the Bertie episode, just in case you were wondering. Yeah. I'm on board. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, very, very interesting chat. I mean, again, um, you know, thought processes of, you know, these big FIFA tournaments. You know, imagine getting an email to tell you that you're going home <laughs> from a Brutal. major tournament. So, um, yeah. But no, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the last week as well, he's been in the Chronicle and Echo and, uh, you know, people are celebrating his achievements and rightly so. Um, I know he said that he's just a kid from Kingsthorpe who got lucky, but that's actually not the case, is it? Um, hard work, determination, commitment, all those, you know, watchwords, I guess. Um, but, they, you know, without them, you won't get very far, especially in the uh, in the professional game. No, um, and, uh, you know, we saw him in action at, in that Arsenal game at, on Boxing Day, and uh, you... You text me about a decision that he made, an offside decision that was just ridiculous. How how he saw it in in real time um, without any sort of assistance from VAR, uh, I've, I've no idea. So, yeah, he's he's incredibly talented, but he's obviously put in a lot of work to get to where he's got to as well. I'm glad you brought it up because um, I texted him about that decision, um, right? <laughs> and uh, I'd forgotten about this, and I said to him, "Be honest, you, um, because." Obviously, you know, with the decision, um, initially I was thinking, he's got that wrong. Yeah. And, you know, 
the TV and like, yeah, he's got that wrong until they kind of looked at um, the deflection um, that, that made, uh, I can't remember who it was now, Saka or something like that, was made him offside. Yeah, um, so, yeah. So I texted him and said, oh, did you actually see it? And he, and he I won't repeat what he said to me, but it's along the words of, I can't believe you'd even question my uh, abilities <laughs> as, a, as an assistant. I, I could just imagine him saying that as well. Uh, yeah. Um, but there was, and they're in that lucky position, obviously, of um, having the communications kit, but there was that teamwork involved there to say, yeah, it's yeah. touched another player. Um, and even then, even, you know, it was still an, an incredible decision, let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's those it's those types of situations where I I think it's dangerous as a referee at, at our level to in your pre-match say to your assistants, "Oh, offsides are all yours," because the the responsibility is very much on on Michael Oliver in that situation to help Stu. If Stu's not sure who's played the ball, whether it was a deflection, all of that, all of those considerations, and it's down to the referee ultimately to give that give that advice obviously Stu's got it right on the day but like you say with a little bit of input and uh, conversation between him and Michael on the comms and finally and as I said this in the last episode I think interestingly so what I've got to say now has got to be interesting um, the the guy we had at the NRA meeting NFA NRA meeting um, in December Josh Smith yep. um, he's working with Stuart on the FA Cup third round how is he? Um, I believe it's at Hull City. And I also texted you and said, what have you done wrong to be sent to Hull <laughs> City? But, uh, you know, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure I'd, quite ha- I'd be ha- quite happy to be at Hull City in the FA Cup third round as well. <laughs> and also a big shout-out, before we think while we're thinking about it, to Gareth Vickers, episode nine, I think. Yeah, um, yeah I it. Big, good numbers on that podcast, but he's also been given a third round um, appointment at Stockport County, I believe. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. So, you know, the week after he comes on our podcast, gets a third round, things might be looking up, you know. We might be the lucky omen. Um, I haven't I haven't seen much luck off the back of this podcast. <laughs> of course you have. Because we didn't mention this at the beginning, but you've got... Are you going to sing a song tomorrow? Am I going to sing a song? Yeah, you've got a game. You've got a game. Well, today, isn't it? It's well, when you're listening to this, if you listen on yes. Monday, it's today. Oh, and you've yeah. got a game, and yeah, uh, I could. What I could do is I could send you a WhatsApp voice notes because I'm clever like that now, of me singing a song to Andy Wilson, um, and just you know passing on my um, love for him because I understand. Looking on social media, he's retired from running this week. It, yeah, I saw that, and some decent numbers on uh, on that post they put out in terms of miles. And the running kit has been, you know, gracefully hung up. Um, he says for good, but you know, it, it, Abington Park is it's a magnet, isn't it? It's a magnet for joggers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I look. He said he he said that his his body can't take it anymore. Fair play. He's like I say, put some decent decent miles in. So. Uh, yeah, enjoy enjoy your retirement from running, Andy. You might as well say that to me as well. Although I, did, I said at the beginning, <laughs> I've, I've started running again, and uh, yeah. I'll, no doubt I'll keep you keep you in touch um, with everything that's going on. Uh, so that's the end of this week's episode. As I said at, at the beginning, um, it's a very organic and uh, 
um, amateur projection <laughs> because my cat is currently scratching the chair that I'm sat on. And no, uh, and he's uh, a she-rabbit is also trying to scavenge some food. So I'm going to have to go, Luke, and uh, sort him out. <laughs> nice one. Well, thanks for tonight. And uh, I'll speak soon. We'll do episode 12 next week, every Monday. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We will catch you again soon. Happy New Year once again. And uh, thank you for listening. You can say bye if you want. Bye, everyone. <laughs>